Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Liz. And this is Joe's Table, where we talk about role-playing, game design, hobbies, project planning, world-building, and all kinds of things about creativity. So, I've recorded a secret podcast. A secret one without my knowledge? Whose I mean, table is this? <laughs> and now it's going to be my table. It's Liz's table now, huh? Completely. I can dig it. Okay. What's it about? It's about a game I'm designing for you. Ooh, I get to play again, huh? You do. So how how, how rare is that? <laughs> eh, relatively rare, maybe like once a year. So. Oh, God. Oh, you're hurting me. I want to play more. <laughs> well, I guess that's why you're doing it. Yay. Yes. Yep. I'm so excited. Since I haven't heard this one yet, uh, no spoilers. I uh, Hopefully this will air after we get the game running. But in, in case it doesn't, don't tell me what happens, please. All right. So from this point out, Joe is going to be leaving the room and I'm going to be taking over and walking you through my game design process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special Joe's Table podcast. Um, this is Liz, and I'm going to be doing this one alone. So I guess this is kind of Liz's table. The reason I'm doing this podcast alone is because I'm actually planning a game for Joe during this podcast. Um, I had an interesting idea for Game World a couple of days ago, and I'm just kind of in the process of pulling it out into a bigger world doing some of the world building and stuff like that so um figured i would record some of that process and tell you a little bit about where the inspiration came from um how i'm going to use that inspiration and the world that i'm building around that uh, so hopefully this will be an interesting look into um world building and how to set up a game um and set up a game world uh for your players so Joe and I do a lot of games where it's just the two of us. Um, one of us is um, the game master. The other one is the player, um, which allows us to do some really interesting in-depth games and really tailor a game um, for the other person. My inspiration for this is actually based on a book that I'm reading um, about the Romanovs. And the Romanovs are a Russian family, imperial family, um, that ruled Russia for quite a while, um, up until the end of Russia being an empire, uh, right before it became communist. And they were a very interesting bunch of people. I am a historian by training, and I've, this is the type of history that got me very interested in history in the first place. I used to read a lot of books about British and Russian imperial history when I was growing up. And so this is actually the first time I've come back to Russian imperial history in quite a while. It's probably been about 15 years since I last read a book on it. Um, so it's actually really interesting uh, to once again learn about how opulent and bloody and messed up and all of the background politics and backstabbing um, that went on within the Russian Empire um, while it was under the Romanovs. So some of the things that struck me in this book and really kind of triggered the idea to work up something as a game setting is one, um, the Russian uh, imperial family during this time um, was really opulent. Um, they were really big into lots of jewels, uh, lots of furs, lots of um, heavy, precious fabrics. Um, they loved to build palaces. Uh, the whole city of St. Petersburg was built um, during that time period and just kind of added on to and added on to and added on to. Um, 
But at the same time, they were also really struggling with how to be a European style monarchy. Um, So there were a lot of just strange things going on, like Peter the Great wanting his subjects in St. Petersburg to have um, European style tea parties where they would all get together and drink tea and socialize and stuff like that. But it was an enforced thing. So he would lock his subjects in a room to have a tea party. Um, So just kind of a weird, strange world. Um, The Russians were also very big into their monarchs having a lot of Um, ritualized religious things to do. Um, If you've ever read Gormenghost, it's kind of that sort of a feel to it as well. Um, But they were also very bloody. There were a lot of struggles over who should be um, in the leadership of Russia, uh, who is actually running the show, um, who was figuring different things out. Um, Basically, if there was a chance to throw your rival under the bus and get them exiled or murdered, people would take it. Uh, One of the big things that contributed to that, apparently, was that um, for a good portion of the time, towards the beginning, um, there was a social habit of selecting a bride Um, from kind of the middle ranks of nobility and then elevating her family up. Um, So it became quite a prize for your daughter to get selected because then you could have a part in the government and gain a lot of fame and stuff like that. But if you went wrong and it went badly, you could end up getting your entire family exiled to Siberia or killed um, in various interesting and horrible ways. Um, so it was really risky to have your daughter kind of be in the running to be the new uh, Russian um, Tsarina or Empress. Um, so just a very interesting kind of pressure cooker of different factors. And so I really liked that kind of mix between opulence and bloodshed, um, which is kind of an interesting origin for a game. So I've been mulling over what to use this kind of feeling for, um, for the past few days as I've been reading through the book and I got an idea on how to potentially infuse some magic into it. And then today I've really been kind of deep diving into how to utilize this world. Um, so one of the first things I wanted to decide was, you know, did I actually want to run a game with this, uh, for Joe, or did I want to... Um, have this as, you know, something that I put into one of the various games that we're working on for publication. Um, And I've decided it doesn't really fit into any of the different games that we're working on. And what I really want to do is a little bit more of a deep dive into this, um, you know, opulent murder um, (laughs) pressure cooker of a situation. So I figured the best way to utilize this is actually to set it up as a role-playing game that I can run for Joe. Um, So one of the first things I wanted to do, because I really like to do worlds with magic in them, I'm very fascinated in the different ways that you can use magic, and I love giving that to players as something that they can utilize and abuse and find weird ways to use. So I wanted to involve magic in there. And so for my first idea with this, if we're doing something with opulence, is a lot of gemstones. Um, a lot of the accounts of, you know, the different Russian uh, rulers would talk about them, you know, coming out in robes encrusted with pearls and, you know, covered in rubies and things like that. And so I thought, what if our 
In our world, mages can infuse gemstones with various spells and effects. And so instead of, you know, directly casting magic somewhere, which a mage could do, they could also save it into a gemstone. And then somebody else who may not have any magical training could pick up that gemstone and just like trigger that effect. So if they wanted to do a fire spell, you might give all of your troops uh, in your army you know, fire spell gemstones, and they'd have a one-use thing that they could let off, you know, a firebolt with their gemstone. So I thought that might be kind of an interesting thing, which then sets up the fact that there, you know, maybe whole workshops full of mages who can do, um, you know, simple spells or more advanced spells or something like that, and then infuse those into gemstones so that the elite or the armies or, you know, other people who need spells would just have these spells on hand. So then you've got kind of this um, working class mage sort of a thing um, getting set up. So maybe it's kind of like a cottage industry or a formalized industry, or maybe it's in monasteries, um, something like that. But there are these workshops where mages will be infusing gemstones for people. Um, Then I also thought one of the other things that I read about in the book was the women within the Russian court initially at the beginning of the time period I was reading about, uh, which would I think be 1600s, um, the Russian court wanted women to be veiled and hidden. Um, so they lived in a separate palace. If they went out into public and marched in like a parade, um, there were servants who would carry screens and like walk with screens around them so that nobody could see them, which is a huge amount of effort um, for something like that. Um, they would also go veiled. They would be behind um you know, grates and grills in, in the church so that they couldn't be seen by anybody else in the church, uh, which is just kind of a, a different sort of a feel. Um, so I thought, what if I pulled that as something for the mages who are actually in the imperial court? So there's mages in the imperial court um, who can, you know, pull off different effects to make the emperor look, um, you know, grandiose and amazing and, you know, maybe turn on the lights in the room or, um, you know, different effects uh, for different situations. And what if those mages were veiled and hidden? So there's like little alcoves, little curtained alcoves or uh, mages hidden behind, you know, big sweeping veils or stuff like that. So they're there, but they're not really there. Um, So I thought that was kind of an interesting background flavor thing to look at. So that gave me kind of a a magic uh, feel for things and what was going on there. Um, Then I realized I'd need some um, background, some some history to talk about why the world is the way it is and where it is there. And so what I decided on for that was actually to set up um, the fact that there had been a massive war Um, years before. And I haven't quite decided how many years before this is. I'm thinking probably more than 30 or 40, but probably no more than like 150 years back. And this war was not between just the regular um, factions living on the continent. This war was between a heaven and a hell faction. So that there's um, a couple different planes of existence. Um, one of them reads a bit more like heaven, one of them reads a bit more like hell, so there's angels and demons. So in the human world, various different uh, countries supported various different sides. 
And my thought was that the imperial family in the country that the game takes place in actually supported the hell side. So they supported the demons. Um, but heaven won. And because heaven won, um, they, the imperials have um, been punished. And their punish, one of their punishments is that they're not allowed to use magic anymore. So I've set up that the imperial family is actually strongly attuned to magic. Um, and they've been banned from using that magic. So they can still use gemstones that have been fused in magic, but they actually can't, uh, they technically can use spells directly, but they are not supposed to. Um, the other thing that I've put in here, um, just to add some flavor, kind of based off of the religious rituals in, um, the Russian court was that, um, these Imperials are also required to perform a large amount of different rituals. Um, they have all of these obligations, you know, all of these different oblique weird rituals that they have to perform at different times. Um, and part of the reason for this is actually the punishment from the angels, uh, for defying them and, uh, supporting the other side during the war. The angels have said, you have to perform these rituals. And this is how we are going to ensure that you are not doing anything untowards with the demons anymore. Um, and these rituals are actually, I'm going to set it up that they're going to be bad enough and oblique enough that there has to be a whole office within the imperial court that is dedicated to deciding when the rituals need to take place. Um, so the rituals aren't as you know clear cut as on the fifth day of December, you have to do X, Y, Z. Um, they're a little bit more opaque than that. So it might be when the third star in Orion's shoulder rises above the horizon um, after the first uh, crescent moon of winter, you have to go out to this specific forest and cut down a yew tree. And so it takes a lot of like interpretation and reading the skies and reading different signs and trying to figure out when these rituals actually need to take place. Um, and also like looking through immense volumes to figure out how to do them correctly and stuff like that. Um, and then also deciding like which imperial family member is even going to be available if you've got five rituals on one day to make sure you've got enough people to go out and do them. And the reason why people are still caring about these sort of things and doing this is because if they don't, the angels are liable to show up uh, and do something awful in reprisal. Um, so maybe they'll go and uh, destroy an entire village, just wipe it off the face of the uh, earth. Or maybe they'll go and kill somebody or, you know, they'll cause a famine or they'll release a bunch of locusts or something like that. Um, you know, so the imperial family has been good about performing these rituals because they've seen what happens if they slip up in the past. And so one of the other things I'm going to set up with this game is that the angels don't get directly involved that much. They only come down occasionally when the treaty is violated from the last war. So they're not really actively there. They're kind of like, um, they're, they're a threat in the background if something goes wrong. The demons, however, are going to be involved. Um, I figure that they're probably still very much around. They're probably still very much involved in the imperial court. Um, but now they have to be a lot sneakier about it. So they may be there um, masquerading as a different, you know, a certain imperial official, or they may be there. Uh, influencing imperial officials so that they're there kind of in the background nudging somebody to do something that's a little 
not quite by the treaty. Um, so the demons are still fighting the war from, you know, years ago, um, but just trying to do it a lot more covertly now. I'm still trying to figure out a reason why um, something, you know, major that the demons are trying to strive for. So I still have some work to do there. And that's actually kind of a big thing that I still need to do is I need to get a good cast of characters built up. I need to um, figure out a lot of the different political factions, what their motivations are, um, how Joe's character is going to fit into that. Um, one thing I do know that I am planning of is that the emperor is dying and there's questions over who is going to succeed the emperor. Um, you know, also going back to Russian history and stuff like that, um, that any time one of the czars died, there was always a big struggle over who was going to be um, succeeding that czar. Unlike a lot of other monarchies, it wasn't as clear cut. And I like that idea. Um, it provides a lot of different hooks and a lot of different things that I can use to really move the plot forward and get all of the different factions shifting around um, in interesting ways. Um, you know, I can also pull in the fact that maybe there's rumors that the angels are disappointed in something and coming to visit, or maybe there's a demon that's coming in and causing a lot of problems and people are trying to, you know, suppress that or deal with that um, and not get themselves killed by angels. So there's a lot of fun different things I think I can pull on with this to create an interesting, interesting game. Um, one of the other things is I'm trying to convince Joe that his character should be part of the Imperial family and um, potentially have learned magic. Uh, so being a direct magic user, something that the Imperial family is not supposed to do, um, which I think would be interesting. So I'll have to see if he's interested in that as a character concept with this, um, because I, I do think that that will give me a lot of other things that I can pull on and other things that I can use. So from here, one of the big things I'm going to be doing is working on some of the factions um, and working a little bit more on how those factions interrelate and um, connect together and also what their goals are. Um, so one of the factions that I know for sure is going to be involved in this is the scheduling office with so many different rituals and how difficult it is to figure out when those rituals need to take place. Um, actually having somebody who can schedule those rituals and do all of that legwork, that's a, you know, multi-people project, really. Um, so I think having that as one of the factions there as a scheduling office who's, like, making sure the country stays alive, basically, by making sure that these rituals take place at the appropriate times and in the appropriate ways, um, I think would be interesting to have. I also think they're a big point of contention, too, because if you're just a regular, you know, member of the Imperial family who just wants to live their life and do their thing, and then the scheduling office comes by and says, no, you have to go out to this river and, you know, do this ritual at this river at this time, you know, at three in the morning in the middle of winter, it's not going to be a really great thing. Um, so I think having that as something else I can weaponize and use in there will be good to also create some tension. Um, I think the scheduling office as well can have some inter-office conflict of various groups within the office interpreting the different um, you know, rituals and things like that at 
in different ways and at different times. Um, you know, so there's some fights about, you know, no, we need this Imperial to go over to this location, you know, at 3 a.m. And then somebody else saying, no, no, it has to be 3 p.m. And then, you know, having crossed signals and, you know, things like that going on. Um, I think the mage, um, the court mages are also going to be an interesting faction because they're there, but they're supposed to be veiled and silent. But with that, I can see people forgetting that they're in the room. And the court mage is also functioning as kind of like a behind the scenes spy group um, because they may be they may be overlooked a lot and people might talk freely in front of them because they don't even think about the fact that there's a mage there. Um, very similar to the way that, you know, servants were um, were very much they heard a lot of things that they shouldn't necessarily have heard because they weren't really considered when people were in the room. So I can see the mages functioning in a similar way. Um, and then there's also going to be most definitely a lot of different imperial factions, um, all vying for different things. One of the other things I've set up is that this nation is very wealthy, actually, even though they're kind of the pariahs in the continent um, because of their support for the demons in the last war. But they also have a lot of um, mines there, um, mining precious stones and precious materials. So if anybody wants to get gemstones to, say, fund their war effort or to get spells into for their war effort, well, this is the best place to turn to. And they've got the, the volume that you might need. Um, so they're kind of like the arms dealers of the entire continent and supplying everybody with gemstones as needed. So with all of those gemstones, I can see there being a lot of factions who are like, hey, emperor, give me this, you know, plot of land here that I might happen to know that there's an emerald mine in um, that will make me personally rich. But it's it's no, it's just because, you know, glory and, you know, I helped you out and stuff like that. Um, so I can see a lot of like backrooms deals to try to get different plots of land um, that might have good mining resources and things like that on them. Um, so that might drive some of the conflict and things like that. I can also see some people who want to try to start the war back up uh, as being involved as well. Um, so there could be some folks who were mad about how the war ended and feel like, you know, we could take them, we could we can do this again and we can get the demons involved and we can beat, you know, the angels and then we'll, we won't be persecuted anymore. So there might be that aspect to pull on as well. So I think I've got a lot of different, interesting, different things that I can pull on to make this an interesting game. And then I have to get some more information from Joe about what he wants his character to be like um, and work on how that character interacts with all of those factions and how that character's goals fit in with all of those factions or don't fit in with all of those factions and uh, how that all kind of bounces off of each other. So as usual, I've got a lot of work to do with prepping the world. Um, I love the world building part of it, though. So this is the part that gets me really excited. Um, the one thing that I'm always afraid of and I'm always very aware of with games is the world building is really my favorite part. Um, so I would love to get in and dive in and you know, figure out all the intricate little fiddly bits. And then once we get playing after we've gone a few sessions and you know some of my secrets have been revealed, I have this tendency to lose interest in it because like now, now the fun part's done. Now I've like revealed 
some of the interests, some of the stuff that I'm really proud of. And I just kind of lose interest because then there's not as much of that anymore. So it's something I'll have to also work in and be considering when I'm going through this is how to keep up my interest in there and how to have some things kind of reserved um, behind the scenes that allow me to keep interested in the world as I go. So definitely a work in progress with that. So there may be some more of this um, later on at a later point, um, once I've done some more world building to go back over kind of what's happened with the world building, as well as maybe kind of a um, another touch base at a later point to talk about how the game is actually going. We'll see if we get there. Um, our games sometimes work really well, and sometimes they disappear after a session or two. Um, so we'll see how this goes. But thank you for listening to me as I'm kind of world building and talking through this. I hope this was interesting to everybody, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye.